What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Roundtable Sports Podcast. My name is Taylor McLean, and today we're going to take a look at the New Orleans Saints 27-23 victory over the San Francisco 49ers. You know, the main reason I wanted to watch this game, uh, it was actually twofold. Number one, I wanted to see what happened with Drew Brees, what happened to the offense, you know, what were the implications for the Saints. Lots of fantasy goodness on the Saints, so you want to kind of see how that's going to be affected by the Drew Brees injury. And uh, then on the San Francisco side, I wanted to see, you know, how they looked whether I think anybody's going to be able to salvage fantasy value out of the 49ers situation this year, you know, what does their future look like, et cetera. So I got a good look at both of those things, you know, and uh, let's start with the new Orleans saints. You know, the score makes this look like more of a dominant performance than it truly was. It was really disappointed in the saints really not being able to bring it to the San Francisco 49ers in a bigger way. You know, I will say for San Francisco on the defensive side of it, they definitely still have a good front and they're still able to create pressure with that front, stop the run, those different types of things. And they certainly were putting pressure on the New Orleans Saints in the passing game. So the pass rush was there. So San Francisco overall is not a dumpster fire. Certainly missing Richard Sherman has hurt them, but still they have enough on defense to compete The thing was, the San Francisco 49ers kept putting themselves in bad position, whether it was picks, whether it was fumbling those two punts. I mean, it was just a dumpster fire as far as that go. And when they fumbled those punts, the Saints took advantage. And really, you can just go one for one there. You know, they, uh, they were up 14. They scored 14 points off of two muffed punts. And it gave them those short fields that they were able to work with because they weren't doing a very good job of sustaining drives, even when Drew Brees was in there. And kudos to San Francisco on that. I put that on them being able to put pressure on the New Orleans Saints line. So that was a good situation for 49ers fans. And that'll be something you'll be rooting for down the stretch because, spoiler alert, I wasn't all that impressed with the offense. Something catastrophic happened for New Orleans with the Drew Brees injury. As it turns out, he played some plays after, you know, he got hurt, but he has five cracked ribs, three on one side, two on the other, and a collapsed lung. Can't imagine that means he's back anytime in within the next two weeks. There hasn't been indications that they're going to put him on IR, which would mean three weeks minimum. So we may be a two-week situation for Jameis starting, but – it looks like that's going to be the case for at least those three weeks. I'm guessing depending on how those games go, that'll kind of lead to how quickly they bring Drew Brees back as well. Certainly rib injuries are very painful and hard to get over, and he's going to be feeling that for some time, probably for the rest of the season no matter what. But he's a tough guy. He wanted to go back in the game. I don't think he realized how hurt he truly was either at the time, adrenaline and the like, you know, kind of carrying through it. But the Saints were smart to not let him back in the game. And it was really like meeting up with an old friend for me to get to see Jameis Winston back out on the field. You know, I watched the film last year. I didn't podcast about it, but I watched all the games. And Jameis Winston was one of my first watches every week because he raised some pulses. He was throwing the ball down the field with reckless abandon. And it was just a fun, fun game to watch because you would know on nearly every play something crazy might happen. So I was excited to see him come back. 
but I didn't realize that they were going to give him the Teddy two gloves treatment like they did last year. Dating back to last year, if you'll remember, Drew Brees was hurt for a certain amount of time then as well. And Teddy came in and basically was treated as a game manager, basically, you know, didn't really get the chance to go downfield and really push the ball. And he's not really doing that a ton in Carolina, but as we've seen, Carolina's kind of opened it up a little bit with him, and he certainly has more capabilities than what he showed with the Saints. It's unfortunate that the offense is so geared the way it is for Jameis Winston because Jameis can throw the ball down the field and has a lot more arm than Drew Brees offers. What he doesn't offer is the consistency and the accuracy that Drew Brees offers on a game-to-game basis, which may lead to a little bit of dysfunction for the Saints since Jameis and Drew don't really operate in the same way. And if they continue to game manage Jameis the way they did Teddy, that may be a lot worse situation because they're not taking as big an advantage of his arm and his, of his actual talents than they would with Teddy Bridgewater. And Jameis looked fine. I mean, he has plenty of zip on the ball. There's no doubt about that. He was moving around the pocket fine, although he did take a couple of sacks in the goal line. You know, he came out hot. He started five for five and then really kind of trailed off from there. They were kind of game manager type throws, kind of scripted type throws when he was five for five. When he had to improvise and when it was at the goal line, he really struggled. You know, he missed – probably four passes really, really badly. And uh, while he was targeting Mike Thomas, and that'll be a big deal to see how Mike Thomas's, you know, average air yards change with Winston. I just don't know how any of this is going to go down. Now, you also have to realize that this was not in the game plan to have Jameis play today. So the fact that they came out there and it looked like they were trying to run Drew Brees stuff with Jameis is not surprising. But at the same time, I want to see them opening up a little bit more I want to see them take more advantage of what Jameis can do, but I think they know that they not kind of need to keep him bottled up a little bit to try and keep the negative plays out, and I think they're going to lean more towards that than letting it go down the field. Now, if you're looking for a quarterback with a pulse for the next couple of games, absolutely I'd take Jameis over Nick Mullins or anything that the San Francisco 49ers going to roll out on quarterback to this point. But at the same time, I don't think that I'm going to be starting him over Herbert or a lot of the other more established options that have been going well up until this point. But you know what? I mean, I I think that they're going to have to lean on Jameis more than what they did today. And I think they'll be more ready to use his skills when they have a whole week to kind of plan on that. Now, the other thing from the fantasy aspect for Jameis is that they're definitely going to mix in more Taysom Hill. They did today. That's why we didn't get such a good look at Jameis because they did use so much Taysom Hill. And I really don't like that for fantasy purposes, obviously, but I'm starting to not like it as much for football purposes either. It just irks me the way that it kind of disjoints the drives. I mean, he gets yards and yeah, they were trying to finish off the game and all that stuff, but felt cheated that I didn't get to see more of Jameis on this film. It was kind of like the same thing when Tua played the first time. He didn't have to do much. He wasn't pressed into much action. So it didn't even really feel like I knew what he could do. And then finally, you know, the next game, they kind of let the tether out a little bit and they finally got something. And of course it was kind of the same thing in that game too, because Miami had gotten set up with such good field position by their defense 
the Saints did the same thing today, although a lot of that falls on the shoulder of Nick Mullins and the offense as well. So it will be interesting to see what they do with Jameis going forward. Like I said, they weren't planning for it today. Guessing we see a lot of Taysom Hill that kind of caps the upside. But, you know, if you need a quarterback with a pulse, I'm probably taking him over a couple of the other quarterbacks that have come in. Like I said, Nick Mullen, probably Luton too, just because Jameis actually has that number one overall talent. It's just a question of him putting it together and making good decisions. And I was a little discouraged by the four throws that were really bad, but I just got to think with some time, with some practice, getting some reps, getting some confidence, getting better chemistry with Michael Thomas and the rest. I got to think that's going to help when he's going to come out better next week. So I'll be excited to watch that game. But I think I'm probably staying away for a bit until I see more. But like I said, if you're in a quarterback needy situation, I I definitely think picking him up is a decent way to go. I'd much rather see him in the game and, and live with the bad decisions he makes than live with shoddy quarterback play on other teams. It was kind of a weird day for the Saints overall. Like I said, there wasn't a whole ton of drives. Drew went out. It was just weird overall on the usage. So that'll be something to monitor. And likely, if you have Kamara, you're hoping Drew Brees comes back and everything goes back to status quo because, you know, he checks down. Kamara's the focal point. He's getting all the goal line, whatnot. And that was the really the big difference in the game is Alvin converting his goal line touches and getting the three touchdowns that he did really saved this game for the Saints in a big way. You know, had he not converted those touches, you know, they might have kicked field goals and, you know, we're looking at a different game here. So while the rushing totals weren't there, it really wasn't there for many of them on this day because of the 49ers and Taysom Hill kind of taking up a lot of those rushing yards in the closeout time. It was just a tough situation for Kamara. It's definitely something that I'm not as worried about going down the stretch. And if somebody is, I'd be trying to step into that because I absolutely believe that Jameis is capable of giving them some juice and uh, maybe not more than Drew Brees like you might have hoped. But at the same time, I think he's going to have enough to carry you until Drew Brees comes back. Now, that's going to be kind of tight with the way everything's breaking down playoff schedule-wise. But I think Drew Brees should be back the way they were talking about it today in the notes that they're thinking about three weeks probably. Although, like I said, we're getting to that time where three weeks is starting to burgeon up against playoffs. If you have an early playoff schedule, it's they, you know that's really going to be tough. But I don't think Drew Brees was something I was trying to count on as a QB1 or many had tried to count on as a QB1 with the things he had showed up to this point anyway. So if you need that, back up you need that fill-in there's worse ways to go than Jameis at least it'll be exciting you can always say that now if somebody wants to give you the moon for Kamara I mean maybe I'm looking at that but at the same time I don't think I'd be fretting all that much same thing with Michael Thomas I know it's been a very up and down situation for him but I got to think with some extra air yards you know to his targets that it'll cancel out the inaccuracies that he has for Michael Thomas and for the options You know, with Michael Thomas back, it's been kind of a catastrophic situation for the rest of the Saints wide receivers. So it's probably the only one that I'm probably riding with at this time. And really, that's really bad because Cook had been so good, too. I just need to see more on how Jameis really distributes the ball when he actually is forced to do things. And I really want to see that because, like I said, it's it's like revisiting an old friend for me to get to see Jameis. And... I think he can produce for Thomas. I mean, really, his value has never been lower at this point. I don't know if I'd really be trying to jump in on the train, but at the same time, 
you know, if you can make a sweet buy low offer on him and you can get him for next to nothing, I say go for it. Because like I said, I'm interested to see if Jameis can help the prospects, but there's always that risk that he doesn't really have what it takes to be Drew Brees. They continue to run the offense that way and he doesn't produce like he could. But this is his chance. There's going to be a bunch of teams that want to trade quarterbacks and are going to need a new quarterback because the current one isn't looking out. So this is an audition. We'll see what he can do with it. This is why he signed up to go there is to get himself right and to, to get this audition for other teams for next year. Let's switch over to the San Francisco 49ers. I was bummed to see that Jimmy G had been put on IR the other day. And I knew that was going to lead to some pretty up and down play from the 49ers overall. For whatever reason, after seeing that Jimmy G can be somewhat injury prone and seeing for sure that Nick Mullins and CJ Beathard absolutely have no juice whatsoever when it comes to playing quarterback in the NFL, they decided to go ahead and roll back that situation and end up exactly where they were the last time Jimmy G got hurt. So here we are, we're sitting with Nick Mullins probably going to have C.J. Beathard come in at some point. Who knows? But it just lowers the whole thing for the 49ers, and I think they know it. And why would they want to win these games at this point? Their division is so stacked, and really it's all about draft capital for the 49ers at this point. And with the front seven playing and with, you know, the pieces that they have, that's really disappointing. You know, injuries, Kittle, Jimmy G, like we talked about, those have been tough. But I just had higher hopes overall for the 49ers, and I know their fans did too. I love Kyle Shanahan. I love the play calling. And he definitely does some good things to scheme things open. But, man, the quarterback play just hasn't been there for him. And he just needs more help as far as this team goes. And I just still lament the fact that they thought it was cool to come in with this quarterback situation and roll with it going forward. It's not a good look for the way they've been doing business and they've been drafting. Well, I like the way they've been putting things together. It just hasn't been there this year. And it's unfortunate because a lot of people were counting on Kittle. A lot of people wanted Debo to come back. You wanted to see, you know, Mostert play well. You thought maybe Jarek McKinnon could do something for you. And it's just all disappointed up until this point. So the question is, what can they do going forward? Is there anyone on this team you can trust? Now, Jarek McKinnon did not run away with the role while he had it. You know, they've had a ton of injury at the running back position. Supposedly, Raheem Mostert is supposed to come back this week. And I think he has enough talent to consolidate enough of the touches to actually be worth something in this offense. Question is, what is the upside? Who are you starting him over? Because, I mean, with Nick Mullins in there, it really is a situation where there's not going to be a whole lot of sustained drives. They're going to need a lot of help to put them in positions to score. And while the defense is capable of doing that to some extent, and while the running game is certainly strong with Kyle Shanahan, you know, putting it together, there's only so much you can do when the defense isn't scared of you throwing it down the field. And they shouldn't be because Nick Mullins has a problem throwing the ball down the field. So you can load up on the line. You can get in the intermediate passing lanes and really break things up. And when they're not able to make you pay over the top, that's a problem. And that's what's capping the upside of this offense. And that's kind of what has put San Francisco in this point other than injuries. 
So we'll see as far as Raheem Mostert comes back. I'm guessing there's some desperate people that will probably be end up starting him. It's just going to be a little bit up and down, I think, with the Shanahan's ability just to flip running backs on a dime and flip game plan on a dime, and then you throw in the quarterback situation. It's going to be a hard situation to trust overall, but I think if anybody can do it, it's Raheem Mostert. So I want to see what he can do coming back next week, but I'm still a little guarded on that part. You know, I'm also guarded with the receiving options. There's kind of a lack thereof, which is the only saving grace fantasy-wise for this team in Brandon Ayuk. You know, Brandon has been able to consolidate enough of the target share to be worth like a look as a wide receiver too in PPR leagues. But outside of that, I mean, it's the volume-based situation. The talent's there, but the talent from the quarterback's not there. So the talent is kind of off and on on that side of the fancy equation. But if with no Debo and with them probably going to need to be throwing the ball when they're down a bit, there still is some upside for Ayuk. So I'd certainly be looking at that if I was wide receiver needy. You know, like I said, it's probably going to have a higher standard deviation as far as, you know, it's going to fluctuate a lot more than certain situations with the up-and-down quarterback play. But – you know, maybe Mostert brings something back to the offense. Maybe that gives them a little bit more continuity, and then Ioka is able to take advantage of that. We'll also want Debo Samuel to continue to stay out for Ioka's sake if that's going to continue. Like I said, it just makes me a little nervous having to trust somebody that's being thrown to by what they're thrown to with the 49ers. I don't mean to be so pessimistic 49ers fans, but I got to think you're feeling the same thing that why are we doing this? Why aren't we looking at like a younger quarterback or something? I mean, what led us to get right back in that same situation with our quarterbacks? Anyway, that's what I've got for this game. Like, listen, subscribe, and of course download if you listen, but don't download. Apparently that doesn't count. So for your for Taylor, go and download the podcast. Let me know what I can do content-wise, comment. Otherwise, look out for the videos on these games later this week so you can see what I see on this. And have a great rest of your day.